As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Barcelona and Real Madrid are the focus of today's show. Two of the biggest names in world football hated rivals on the pitch for decades. Recently, though, the two Clasico clubs have become closer off the field and they need each other more than ever. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. Possible to tear them apart. Let the festivities begin. football clubs have today come together to announce they have agreed to establish a new midweek competition, the Super League, governed by its founding clubs. Who are the founding clubs? Confirmation, AC Milan, Arsenal, Atletico Madrid, Chelsea, Barcelona, Inter Milan, Juventus, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, Real Madrid and Tottenham Hotspur. Out of the 12 clubs who try to break away, three of them, Real Madrid and Barcelona and Juventus, haven't given up. The main issue I think they've got is a financial one. Joining us today to discuss the unlikely relationship from The Athletic are Dermot Corrigan, Paul Ballas, plus one of our new signings, Guillermo Rai. Uh, so Dermot, we've, we've got a, a, a much expanded big team. Are you, the, are you the sporting director putting all this together and signing our new talent? Uh, kind of, <laughs> I, I'd say. But it, it is, yeah, it's great. It's, it's exciting. It's been almost three years at, at The Athletic writing about Madrid and Barca and all the other teams as well. And now it's brilliant to have, have the guys as well, to have two guys on in Madrid, two in Barcelona, backup from editors and all as well is going to be fantastic. So for, for me, it's great. For the Alex readers, it's brilliant. And, and hopefully we can reach more people as well in Spain and, and all over the world who, who are big into La Liga. So let's name check everybody we've got there. We've got you, we've got Paul, we've got Guillermo, who we'll talk to in a moment. And who else? Yeah, Mario Cortecana, uh, who was covering Real Madrid for Marca, was previously at AS and Goal and different people. is really well known here here in Spain as a guy who breaks a lot of, of Real Madrid news. Uh, Laia 
Gervio, who used to be at, at Sport um, in Barcelona, knows a lot about, about Barcelona, knows a lot about Barcelona's women's team as well, which, you know, we've got, got to do more about, about Spanish women's football for, for sure. Um, she's got a, a really good piece about Anzu Fadi and his injuries, um, his injury kind of woes that's gone up on the site today. I did have everybody's name, but I thought it'd be better to use a, a Spanish speaker to uh, say who we got rather than me butchering my way through... <laughs> <laughs> and causing offence before they before I've even spoken to any of them. Let's focus on the two clubs on the field, and then we'll talk about them off the field. Uh, Guillermo, that you you were there as as Real Madrid were beaten in La Liga by Villarreal uh, over the weekend. Aside from what went wrong on the field, I mean the biggest story is that was a completely non-Spanish eleven, which feels huge. Mm, yeah, it was historic and. Every journalist were there, were speaking about this. They were very impressed, but it's a fact that Real Madrid, since Florentino came in the 2000s, the beginning of 2000s, Real Madrid had signed a lot of international players, the Spanish players. Nowadays, they don't have the, the, the level that they had maybe on 2010 when they won the World Cup and that's why Real Madrid keep moving on. Now we had like this historic moment. Paul, it feels big because Barcelona had done it, fair enough. If I don't know if Sevilla had done it, fair enough. But but this is Real Madrid. And I, re- I appreciate it's also the modern, you know, the modern world. Exactly, exactly. That's that's what I was going to say. I mean, this this is kind of the modern football where we all have scouts, we all have eyes around the world so we can spot like the biggest talents uh, in France or just wh- wherever in the world. But yeah, it, it felt big uh, that Ramari didn't have... I mean, and it, and it explains a lot about the Spanish national team. That, that, that There was a lot of talk, I can't remember, at the Euros when no Real Madrid player was included at the squad. And there was a bit of like, what's happening here? But the reality is that probably Real Madrid doesn't have any one of the peak players that Spain has at the moment. So that's the reality right now. I think that the game at, at, at Villarreal showed us something that is maybe difficult to see or painful to see for some, but it's the reality of football right now. Maybe Dermot, the other way of looking at it is we should be surprised it's taken until 2023 for this to happen, given, as Guillermo has, has pointed out, Real Madrid's recent transfer policy. For a certain type of Real Madrid fan or for a lot of maybe Bernabeu guys who've been going for, for 20, 30 years who are socios of the club, it does hurt them a little bit not to have that that Spanish core. And, and Florentino, for, for all the signing of Galacticos all over the world from from Beckham and Zidane through to Vinicius and and Benzema these days he did try to sign you know the young best young Spanish players so in the squad you've got guys like Asensio uh, Jesus Vallejo Dani Ceballos who you know won European under 21s for Spain four or five years ago and Madrid made a big a big push to, to snap up the best talents but they just haven't been good enough Um, you know they, they're not able to get into the team ahead of people like Cruz and Modric and, and as Paul says then that's reflected in the Spanish national team, which it's not going through a, a golden era at the minute. So if you were to, you know, to sign the best players, maybe Rodri might, you know, from from Man City, but he's gone to the Premier League. Um, it, it's difficult for Madrid to to compete at the very top of the Champions League and to have Spanish players around. If we talk about buying young Spanish players, Guillermo. I mean, what about call me old fashioned? What about developing them? What what what's their what's their youth system? <laughs> and he shrugs at me. What's their what's their youth system like at the moment? I think Real Madrid Academy is great and is the first one. If if we refer to 
uh, um, I mean, to de develop players and to create players to, to play in the La Liga in the first division. So Real Madrid has like, or have like 110, 120 players nowadays in La Liga playing for, for different teams, but uh, that they have... Uh, they have been de developing uh, at Real Madrid Academy, so they have like they have the quality and they have the players. But maybe the problem is that Real Madrid has the level is so high that when they, these uh, kids that they are 17 years old, 18 years old, they they don't have the chance to 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 um, to be part of the first team. But they have the quality. They don't. They just don't have the time to. To, to show how, how it's a problem that nowadays I think happens also at Barcelona, but Barcelona has have a different style of, of game, and that's why it's, it's easier to, to see uh, youngsters. Now, and now it's Paul's turn to kind of shrug and look whimsical on the Zoom. Go on. I mean, I agree a lot with what Guille said. Um, plus, Barcelona has a financial moment that also pushes them into like trusting the 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 academy and the products that 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 they have in there because there's like no other way to get a cheap player into the team because i can remember when barcelona was at his peak if if you want to call it that way that there was a big debate around the club about not having enough like academy products in the first team so i think that's that's a thing that happens with big, big teams uh, that someone inside the club needs to keep the focus on just to be careful and be and 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 yeah, just just be aware that some products from the youth teams can just have a chance at the first team because uh, they have no time. Uh, the, the club just demands re results like in the short term and there is no time for 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 mistake and just this kind of players needs time, mistakes and trust. But yeah, it's true that Real Madrid now probably doesn't have this kind of sourcing from the academy to the first team and Barcelona um, plans to get it bigger in the in the forthcoming future. Let's talk more about uh, Barcelona because it leads us on to some of their young talent and they still have uh, local Catalan talent at the heart of, of their team. Uh, Dermot mentioned uh, one of the Athletic's new signings. Here is Laia who uh, was at Barcelona against Atletico Madrid last night which Barca won by a goal to nil. She sent us this voice note. Hi guys, Laia here. I was at the Civitas Metropolitano tonight watching Barca beat Atletico thanks to a goal from Dembélé after an amazing connection between Gavi and Pedri. Pedri, 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 el solito. El balón para Gavi, está para Dembélé. Gol. Gol. Pedri, Gavi, Dembélé. Gol. 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 Big result, of course, for Barcelona with Real Madrid losing yesterday. Due to Lewandowski's suspension, Xavi decided to play with four midfielders instead of three as he used to. That helped Barca controlling the game and forced Atletico to drop back for 25 minutes, I would say, in the first half. Even Barca's game will end up being a little disappointing later on. The team made itself strong in the two boxes. Dembélé scored a goal in one of the few chances Barca had and Koundé, Christensen and Araujo were paramount in defence. Actually, the three defenders weren't been that good. I think Barcelona would definitely have lost the game. 
One of the big surprises of Xavi's lineup was Ansu Fati. He had only started in four matches this season, and I honestly think he didn't seize the opportunity that his manager gave him. He did a shy performance that doesn't even begin to reflect Ansu's talent. He hasn't been the same since he injured in 2020, and that's the focus of my piece that you can read now in The Athletic. We try to answer what's happening to a player that was supposed to be Mrs. Hare. So as Laya says in that note, you can read her debut piece on Ansu Fati's fears and sympathy as well over his injury and future. Just before we come on to Ansu Fati, Paul, just more on the local Catalan talent that is at the heart of, of the Barcelona team, which as you've both, you and Guillermo have said, you know, partly came through due to the financial issues, but also partly came through because they've developed some amazing talent. I mean, there's like the likes of Gabi, uh, the likes of these kind of players. Um, they have, Some of them, they are not Catalan, but they have been molded in, in the academy. So you can sense that they have been taught with the style and with the way of like, on understanding football that Barcelona needs and wants and possibly it's the thing that keeps Barcelona alive or that puts like a light at the end of the tunnel for for FC Barcelona right now that they are like in probably a bad moment of their history. I think that just having the likes of, I, I, I was saying, Gabi, Pedri, molded by, by, by Busquets. I think, in my opinion, Busquets is one of the most underrated players in history. Uh, and he's like the perfect teacher for this young generation uh, of players with Alejandro Balde rising up as a left-back, really promising. Barcelona has this young generation of players, which is what the board um, knows that they have to trust and they have to keep believing and investing in them just to have a brighter future. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Laya there in, in her piece talked about Ansu Fati, talked about um, surprising that he started against Atletico, featured against Atletico, only started in four other matches uh, this season. How much is he struggling, Dermot? Well, it's been very painful for him, but it's been painful to watch over the last couple of years because he was so great when he... He came through. He just he was like seventeen years old, but he was scoring breaking records all over the place. Youngest goal scorer in La Liga, youngest goal scorer in Champions League, youngest goal scorer for Spain, and it just looked like every everything he touched was gonna uh, turn to gold. He he was gonna be a, f- a future superstar. Then he got injured, and uh, as Laya details it in the piece, the injury um, doesn't seem like it was handled very well by by the surgeons involved or by Barcelona as well. It's difficult because you never know, like counterfactual, whether it could have gone different. But he has struggled a lot to come back. Barca gave him the number 10 shirt. They gave him, put him in as Messi's kind of inheritor of the number 10 shirt, put a lot of faith in him. But he, he's just not been able to, to return to that level. And he looks like his his confidence is not there. Physically, he doesn't seem to, to be right. Um, Luis Enrique put a lot of faith in him, brought him in for the, the World Cup squad. And then when he got to see him up close, barely used him during the World Cup, which was, you know, another sign. And it's just... It's just sad to see him because he, he could have been great, but he just looks like he's somebody who, um, whether it's a physical issue, whether it's a mental issue, um, he's just not right. And 
you know, it's it's a big problem for Barca. Strikes me, Guillermo, and you, you know, you're looking at this from the outside, but he, he just strikes me as someone who needs looking after at the moment. And that's what Dermot has alluded to there, looking after both physically and mentally. I think uh, when Ansu Fati started to play for Barcelona three or four years ago, every Real Madrid fan was really terrified because of the idea of having a rival like Messi, another Messi. And we put him in such a, in that scale, the expectations were very, very high. After three, four years, we have seen uh, Vinicius, in the contrary, who maybe no one expected to, to be like the guy that is nowadays. And uh, Ansu Fati, the, the decline, but it's all about the injuries. I'm sure that this is a player who who could be like a superstar if, if the injuries didn't make him a struggle, right? Paul, who the hell decided it was a good idea to give him the number 10 shirt? Hmm. I think that at the moment, if you ask any Barcelona fans, no, no, no one saw that as a problem. I think that it was like the board from Barcelona that they felt that they needed like another number 10 in terms of like from the commercial impact that the club needs. Um, just to have a number 10 um, for the power that it has and what it means to the club. That sums it up then, Paul. That sum- I tell you <laughs> what, it doesn't matter that, well, he's 20 now, isn't he? So it doesn't, when did he get given the 10 shirt? I'm assuming he was 19 or whatever. It doesn't matter that yeah, he's, yeah. he's 19. It doesn't matter that the last person to wear the Barcelona number 10 shirt was, was Lionel Messi. Oh, we need to sell a whole load of shirts. Let's put one of our young players in the 10 and, ho- and hopefully we can commercially capitalise on him. Yeah, it was also like, like in a statement from the club, like we are ready to give faith to the next generation, blah, blah, blah. At the start, as Dermot mentioned and Guillermo mentioned, the impact that he had was like, well, maybe he's not going to be messy, but he's going to be really good. And yeah, just I think that it's been a matter of like injuries and yeah, just bad management in there. He has the risk of becoming like a broken toy without becoming even like a great, great, great footballer. People may on the one hand do think, oh, it's just a shirt number. And, and admittedly, I'm quite geeky when it comes to, to shirt numbers. But I, <laughs> I just cannot, I can't, I just cannot believe the thought process. I tell you what, let's just give Lewandowski the 10 for, for a year because he's he's old enough, he's experienced enough. If we want to sell shirts, we'll do 10 Lewandowski. And, it, and shirt numbers... Nowadays, four players in a whole variety of sports are, are a massive thing, partly because, as Paul says, the commercial opportunities, whether they tag themselves with it on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, but also for the clubs. And sometimes a shirt number can really weigh on a player. I mean, this sounds like a ridiculous example to give, but Antonio Valencia at Manchester United was given the seven for seven. one season yeah, yeah. and went, I can't deal with this, and asked for number 25 back. I mean, that's that's how it can affect players. Yeah, it, like it, it's a typical step that Barca have taken um, in recent years to, to try and jump straight back to where they want to be, to kind of ignore the fact that their their debts are so big and that the players are not as good as they used to be and to, to try and make things happen just by saying them. It's like Laporta saying we're back or it's like Xavi saying that we, we were superior to the opponents or there's a kind of a an inability to see the reality that's there in front of them or a, a kind of hope that if they if they just say keep repeating things enough times or if they keep like putting their faith in something that it will happen that will that it will actually come true and it wasn't fair on Anzu because he's he's obviously been through a lot he, he was just coming back from injury again at, at that stage and you know even there was a, they made a huge deal of it there was a big launch involved they did a lot of marketing they tried to sell a, a lot of jerseys the whole the whole 
it was just stuff that Anzu didn't need. What he needed to do was just to, to knuckle down, to, to get some games under his belt, to get his confidence back, to feel like he was a proper player again, not to feel that they were expecting him to score, you know, 30 goals a season or something like that, which, um, you know, was only half of what Messi scored at, at some stage. But, you know, to, to put that kind of pressure on a guy who was still a teenager who'd been through a lot at that time was... Uh, commercial decision, not a footballing decision, and it has backfired. I, I think it's fair to say. I could do a whole podcast on shirt numbers, so let's talk about the relationship uh, between the two clubs off the pitch. Which, what would you say, Guillermo, is unusually close at the moment, or closer than people might expect? For Spanish people, we are getting used to to see Real Madrid and Barça together in many events. La Porta and Florentino now they are like best friends because they have. Uh, a uh, common goal that is uh, the Super League. It is still impact amaze people, but we are getting used to to it. Um, and and they are, I think, that they have a great relationship. If I talk about Real Madrid, uh, maybe I will say Barcelona. They are like brothers. They need each other, don't they, Paul? Because uh, without each other being relatively successful. They are nowhere near as, go back to the commercial stuff, they're nowhere near as commercially attractive without each other. Yeah, I think that one of the things that made La Liga a really exciting product uh, like 15 years ago um, was that Barcelona and Real Madrid rivalry with Guardiola, Mourinho, Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo. I think that La Liga like pushed for this kind of model of having like two absolutely big giants with the best players in the world. And probably that, that didn't make a favor to, to the rest of the teams. Um, and now, um, with the past of time and the impact of the Premier League, basically, I think that the fact of seeing Real Madrid and Barcelona together tells a lot about the Premier League being in the driving seat. The Premier League being more powerful, having probably some of the best players in the world, and Barcelona and Real Madrid not being able to catch up. And that's why they in my opinion, why they unite forces, because they feel that this is needed, basically, and this is something that La Liga and the Spanish football and the Spanish giants, above everyone, needs just to become, again, uh, uh, the European force that they were back in the day. Do fans of other La Liga clubs recognise that these two need to be successful, Derma? I can't imagine being a, Valenci- I can't imagine being a Valencia fan. I think, well, I could really do with Real Madrid and Barcelona getting back to to their glory days because it will help us. No, <laughs> the fans of other clubs around La Liga um, enjoy seeing the, the big two in, in trouble. Like when Barcelona are going through problems, they um, like the financial issues and everything, there's been a good bit of, of schadenfreude around, around La Liga. There's been a, a good few people complaining that um, like the, the way that Barcelona are, are trying to get out of their problems through uh, all the levers they're activating and not just selling their best players. Um, is is annoying them because that's what they have had to do. If you're Valencia or if you're Sevilla and you have problems in financial problems, you just have to sell your best players. But Barca seem to feel that they can they can find another way around it. Um, on just uh, with Guillermo, I met Guillermo here in Madrid just before Christmas, just before we became we became officially colleagues. We were at an event at the Ritz and um, a, a breakfast event. Uh, well, you were at the Ritz for breakfast. <laughs> is that how you unofficially? Is that how you tapped him up to come and? Are you allowed to do that? that? That's how we roll in. Uh, wow. Blimey, the athletic in Spain is different to the athletic in the UK. Let me tell you. It, it was it was a bit surreal because you saw uh, Florentino and and Laporta came in together, um, and they were kind of they're two they're kind of small guys. They're like Florentino's into his seventies now. Laporta's Laporta's sixty, and they came in with the the German head of the the Super League, the guy who's fronting the, the Super League now. Reichardt kind of guided them to to their seats. 
um, and then went up to explain how the Super League is not dead, where Laporta and, and Florenti didn't speak at this event, but they were there to, to show they were, they were together, the solidarity, that they were behind it, um, which is a, a big piece that, that I put up on, on the site today. And it's just weird because if, if you remember, like Florentino was the guy who took Figo from Barcelona. That's how Florentino became the, the Madrid president was like to rip the heart out of, of Barcelona. Then you remember like Barca fans throwing the pig's head at, at Figo, move on to Mourinho versus Guardiola, Mourinho poking his, uh, his finger into Tito Villanova's eye. Like that's the kind of, that's what we think of as the classical. They're the, the kind of images of the two. They hate each other. They, you know, Barca are the Catalan guys. Madrid are the the conservative guys in the Spanish capital. Barca are like liberals. Madrid are conservative. There's a whole kind of political element to, to it that that made the Clasico great, as well as it being Messi against Ronaldo. Also, the, the political, cultural side to it was really attractive for for me anyway, when I started writing about La Liga and for a lot of our subscribers, I, I'd imagine as well. And that's kind of gone away a bit now. You just see them, they're friendly together. The football's not quite as good as it was. It's fair to say there's not that edge to, to the games. Um, and the Super League is the thing that that's hanging over it. They're, they're together in that. They're all like super closely. And Guillermo said they're like brothers. Like Madrid are the big brother. Madrid are the ones who, who are pushing it. Barca are the ones who, who need to, to kind of cling on. Um, La Liga president Javier Tevez has made a lot out of this. He, every time, time he gets a chance, he'll point out that Barca just follow Florentino's lead, whether it was Bartomeu before or Laporta now. For Madrid fans, they, some Madrid fans who are not sure whether they want to help Barcelona, it, it feels weird that even the money that Barca got for the Levers in the summer, a lot of that was set up by people who are close to Florentino Perez, who are close to the Super League as well. So in a way, Madrid were helping Barca to sign Robert Lewandowski, which seems weird thing thing to do and then at Barca it's Florentino Perez you think this guy is like he's so well his, his image anyway is like Machiavellian he's a guy who knows who can pull the levers of power who knows exactly what he's doing and he's like is he really helping us is this going to be in our interest to ally ourselves so closely with him looks like it is but it's it's just well it's it's fascinating to, to look into and to, to write about and to report about um, and it's it's also just kind of weird to, to see them so close together but the implications there from Dermot Paul are this this relationship will stay as it is until they eventually get what they want which is a European Super League yeah 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 uh, I kind of think in exactly the same way basically because it's, it's what they need and I agree with the fact that probably Real Madrid are the big brothers here uh, basically because Barcelona is in a tough position financially and they cannot be in the driving seat or, or they cannot be calling the shots when they don't really know um, if they are going to be able to sign players in summer. So, yeah, just to try to fix all of this, uh, the Super League here in Spain in the big clubs, I think that it's seen as like the big escape, like the biggest uh, escape route from La Liga being undermined or not undermined, but like surpassed by the Champions League and the Premier League. Can La Liga stand up to them? They will do. Javier Tebas will do because it's the last thing that Javier Tebas wants. Um, I think that it's something that... Because I think that Javier Tebas has like um, pushed for that kind of model of having Barcelona and Real Madrid as the big giants of the country. Um, you just have to see at the um, TV income um, how it's like divided uh, in the... Uh, among the clubs in Spain with Barcelona and Real Madrid getting like the biggest share. And now it has backfired somehow with Real Madrid and Barcelona wanting out or wanting like a bigger thing. Um, I think that La Liga will try to stand against them. 
um, but the legal fight will 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 continue uh, throughout the weeks and the months. It has backfired already to an extent because you can see, like Madrid and Barcelona don't go to the Liga meetings anymore. Like you have meetings of the committees at, at La Liga or all the club presidents get together. And Madrid and Barcelona don't go. They send a representative who's their lawyer for the Super League as well. And at those meetings, big decisions get made. Like in in November, there were tweaks to La Liga's salary cap rules which put Barcelona, who are already had problems meeting their salary for or their budget for this season, made it even more difficult for them. You know, they can't give Gavi a first-team contract at the moment because of a tweak to the rules, which, you know, they weren't involved in agreeing that tweak, if you know what I mean. So they've kind of, by isolating themselves alongside Madrid and by going against Tebas all the time, La Liga people, if, if you speak to them, say that, oh, it, just ha- it was just a coincidence, you know, this is a, a good thing for La Liga in general. It just so happens that it, it's, it's hurting Barcelona. But it, it just shows how isolated Madrid and Barcelona are at UEFA level. They're off the committees as well. You know, they fell out completely over the, the Super League. So Seferin takes any chance he gets to, to kind of go against Madrid and Barcelona. Tebas as well. So the, the two of them are kind of, they're huge clubs and they're, they still have their massive fan bases and they still have an ability to generate a, a lot of money. But politically, they're just super isolated. And it's, well, from my point of view, I don't think it's in their interests. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you're in Madrid... Guillermo, where do Atletico sit in all of this? Alongside La Liga, because uh, at the first time, Atletico's intention or purpose was to join a Super League, but they stopped to support the Super League because now they support La Liga because La Liga supports supports them. So uh, I would say that Atletico officially is uh, against the Super League, but if you talk to the executives, they don't see the idea as a bad idea. I will, I will say that because if you ask La Liga executives, most of the top flight teams, they are worried because they see that the Premier League is growing and growing and growing. And they all know that they have to do something about it. So they want to hear the idea. They simply don't want to, to show that they are supporting Super League. So in case of Atletico Madrid, one thing that happened at Ritz this time I met uh, Dermot was that the president of Atletico Madrid, Enrique Cerezo, was there. But when the event began, 
he left. It's interesting because it's, it's like it's, it shows like the position of Atletico Madrid in this in this issue, and and they are still in the Super League, so you can tell that that there is something going on, not officially, obviously, as I told as I told you, but it's something definitely. Uh, just just on the the Premier League, Derma. I mean. It's cyclical, or it has always been cyclical, which league has, has dominated Europe, whether that be, you know, Serie A in the late 80s and, and into the 90s, whether that be La Liga through the first decade of this century, maybe a little bit of Bundesliga as well. Is there a feeling now that the Premier League horse has bolted so far that they ain't going to get that back? Yeah, the Premier League dwarfs everything really. When, it's just weird when somebody like Aston Villa can, can come in and uh, take any player, you know, ahead of Atletico Madrid or ahead of Sevilla or Valencia, they can just offer them more money than than it's possible for anybody outside La Liga's top two. And that that is seen as a huge problem in Spain. Um, you talk to anybody around players or anybody around managers and they all see the Premier League as somewhere that they'd like to be. They know that they can earn more money there. They know that it's a, it's a higher quality. It, it's more competitive. Even recently, Lopetegui's gone from Sevilla to, to the Premier League. Emery's gone from Villarreal. You know, he's in the Champions League a semi-final last season but you know chances of them winning La Liga or doing any better than that were were pretty slim so he's gone to the Premier League again to uh you know to the bottom half of the Premier League so it's tough the CVC partners the deal that, that Javier Tevez put together part of the rationale for that is so La Liga clubs can invest off the pitch in things like infrastructure stadiums marketing and um, youth systems long-term projects and um, the money was was put aside so that you couldn't just sign go out and sign say Lewandowski for instance um on, on a big contract you had to try and use it to to grow your brand or to grow your club infrastructure spending is the, it's the big deal in it because they want to say that okay we can't compete with them tomorrow but maybe if we do things right over the long term then it'll swing around in our favor again but it, it's hard to see if you know clubs like like Villa or, or New, well, Newcastle obviously um are, are, are able to spend so much money uh, it's a, it's yeah, it's it's a tough time for especially for the likes of Sevilla, Valencia, that that kind of level of team. If Borussia Dortmund ask for 120 million euros for Jude Bellingham this summer, could Real Madrid afford him, Guillermo? I think Real Madrid main target is uh, Jude Bellingham, obviously, uh, for the midfield. Maybe we have news uh, from the other, uh, from the offensive side or the. But yeah, it will, I would say that it's the main target and Real Madrid has shown that they are willing to pay more than 100 million euros for a player. So probably, yes, they, they have the capacity financially. Maybe it's the only team at La Liga that can afford these, uh, these figures. But let's see, because Real Madrid always have a policy about the signings and they didn't they don't want to they are very concerned because they don't want to increase the the inflate the inflation they are always complain complain about PSG and Man City because of this so they don't want to to be uh, in a in a bid for for a player every time they want a player that's what what happened with uh, Suameni last summer and now probably it's going to happen with with Bellingham this next 
next summer. Paul, Barcelona might have a 27th lever to pull and be able to sign Jude Bellingham. Is that right? Nah, I think Barcelona are not going to sign Jude Bellingham. Sorry about that. <laughs> what mar- yeah, what no, market are think- they in then? Are they in what? Are they in £50 million player markets at the moment? Are they in £80 million player markets? Are they in £20 million player markets? The only thing that we know is that Joel Laporta said last week that uh, next summer uh, Barcelona is not going to sign a player like, like Bernardo Silva if he costs £80 million. So probably that gives you kind of a benchmark or a, or a reference of, a, of where Barcelona is right now. I think Barcelona is totally off the table for Jude Bellingham, as, as Guillermo said here. I think that Real Madrid is the only team who can really afford Jude Bellingham. I can see their point of trying not to get into a war of bids, but at the end of the day, if Jude Bellingham says that Real Madrid is his preferred option, Real Madrid will pay w- 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 whatever it takes because they have the capacity and they have been managed to be able to afford these kind of signings. Dermot? Yeah, Madrid have a history of looking to have a, a British player um, for, uh, for marketing reasons as well, going back to Beckham. And then you saw how they supported Gareth Bale all the way through his, his time at Madrid. And Bellingham, the... Yeah, I agree with the guys. Madrid don't want to get into an auction. They would prefer it to have something like Dortmund come to an agreement with Bellingham and his people. I believe there's there's a lot of talks going on at, at the minute where they set a price and then uh, it's up. Bellingham himself can choose. Maybe three clubs will agree to pay that price and then Bellingham gets to choose. And Madrid are super confident that when it comes to it, players will choose them. Um, that's historically been the case, whether it's been people like a Javi Alonso through Luis Suarez, Cesc Fabregas, Thierry Henry, all these guys who wanted to, to, to leave the Premier League and came to Barcelona Madrid. It's funny now that Barcelona Madrid are always asking them to, to take less money than they could get in the Premier League just so that they can, you know, for the, the honour of playing for, for Madrid or Barcelona. But even it, it seems to work, like Rafinha, for instance, could have got more money playing for, for Chelsea last summer but decided to go to Barcelona. And Bellingham, I don't know, he's been very carefully managed. It, it looks like there's a there's a process in place there and he seems to be very well advised as well. Bellingham seems to be in control of, of the situation and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, yeah, you asked Paul there about what market Barcelona are in. The word out of, out of Barcelona um, is that what this, they don't think they're going to be able to um, to pull too many more levers, partly because there's just not very many left to pull and partly because of, of La Liga tweaking the rules and they're trying to get players who are coming towards the end of their contracts or... Um, who they can get on kind of cut price type deals. Ruben Neves has been talked about a lot. Paul's been been on top of that uh, as well um, as a player, as kind of an example of somebody who who they can pick up maybe Laporte as well, using the context that he has with with different agents. But they're they're not shopping in the Bellingham League at all and and won't be for, for a good while, I think. Okay, we will leave it there. As ever, Paul Dermot, thank you very much. Guillermo, welcome to the team. Dermot, we'll uh, we'll take you out for a celebratory breakfast at the Ritz now (laughs) as a a thank you for your first podcast appearance. Talk to you all soon. Uh, As you can tell, fair to say, The Athletic has got Barcelona and Real Madrid covered. Uh, Plenty more writing from everybody that we've spoken to today on The Athletic. The transfer window is open too, of course. Uh, So if you're not already a subscriber, take advantage. It's £1.99 a month for the first 12 months Thanks for listening. The Athletic.